When an animal looks up at the night sky, what does it see? Thousands and thousands of tiny points. Then a man looks up at the same points and sees millions of stars, galaxies within which are billions of planets. Do you want to know what I see? Were you there when I created the stars? Additionally, were any of us there when filmmakers were first inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft? Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide to the world of cinematic H.P. Lovecraft adaptations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I'm Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be reviewing 2014's Black Mountainside, written and directed by Nick Zestakiski. I'm not sure if I've pronounced that name correctly. Uh, hopefully I did. And also, uh, so I hope that you forgive me, listeners, if I, one, pronounce his name wrong, and also because my voice does not sound as gravelly and cool reading that opening quote as it did by uh, uh, by the evil voice as the subtitles um, accredited him is when I was watching this movie on Amazon. Yeah, the, uh, um, can you see me? Yes. Can you see it? It's like, ooh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, we'll talk more about that. But yeah, that was actually... Who was that credited to, too? I, that, I don't know. Was, I should have right? stuck around. You know, I got I got the uh, the credits open here, and I so I should look it up. But um, it's funny because one of the um, – a guy named Nathaniel Gordon um, mm-hmm. is credited um, as Dear God uh, voice. Um, but yes. you know what it, it, it reminded me of? Have you ever seen uh, that French New Wave film Alphaville? Yes, of course. The the Godard film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like the, the – sentient computer that runs like it sounded a lot like that it sounded like that mixed with black philip yes from it, the witch. yeah like the you kind know? of i i'm i'm stealing this from Patton oswald but like um like almost like the guy had a like gargled hot gravel like that's what his voice sounded like yes in order to speak like that yes gargling a whole lot of hot gravel <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um but according to imdb nathaniel gordon has is only credited with two movies this and um Archons, Archons, oh. which which uh, Nick's, uh, yeah. which uh, was um, uh, the the later feature that um, um that this writer director did. So um, maybe just a guy he knew that's like, hey, you got a cool voice. Uh, let me let me throw you in. Uh, let me throw you in here. But uh, before we get into a discussion of uh, Black Mountainside, we've got some housekeeping and some news. It's been. Um, <laughs> You know, we posted our last episode uh, shortly before Christmas. Obviously, the great interview with, um, you know, the 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 guys from the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society, um, yes. Sean Branny and Andrew Lehman. That was awesome. But we recorded it on December seventh, mm-hmm. so we are only, you know, so it's been over a month since we've done this, since we've really um, conversed, talked, reviewed, and suffice it to say. A lot has happened in the world. Yeah, I was I was gonna say, you know, remember I remember before <laughs> before December thirty first, there was all the memes. Oh, you know, January first, it's gonna be so much better. It's good. It, the, the the switch is gonna be turned on for <laughs> greatness. And then yeah, whatever whatever the fuck just happened, like in the last week alone. Yeah. Uh yeah, it, it's almost like we're living in this perpetual onion article that they're making up these headlines but they're coming true yes all of it's like a black mirror episode where an onion writer is like writing these satirical things like oh like oh my god the crazier i write it the crazier things happen come to fruition yeah no it's a it's very dark um yes james and i will will not be specifically commenting on the um the failed attempted (sighs) harm coup at the white house on uh, or at the capitol building i should say in january 6th if you listen to our 
past episodes, specifically when it came to Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. uh, race stuff. I mean, you, you should know that we are uh, snowflake liberal cucks, so we, we don't have to, to <laughs> relitigate our, our political beliefs and what is going on. But, um, no. you know, did want to catch up a little bit. So I guess in some happy stuff, James, how were your holidays? How was Christmas? How was New Year's? I, I, I didn't I've, I haven't talked to you in a month. No, I mean, hell, it, not bad. I mean, work was crazy, but I mean, other than that, very simple, just just my girlfriend and I for Christmas, mm-hmm. girlfriend and I just for New Year's, like nothing crazy, did inventory at my job, which was actually much easier because we had no product mm-hmm. because we sold through most of it. And <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm weathering the storm because starting tomorrow night, no, no, well, technically Tuesday night, um, I'm going to be... Basically, it's going to be me and just four associates every night doing 20 pallet trucks. So that's going to be terrible. And I'm going to be burnt out like crazy. But, you know, it's every January sucks in retail. If, if yeah. our listeners, if you, if, you, if you work in retail, you know how bad payroll is during the months of January and February. And especially in a post-COVID world or technically we're going through COVID still. It's not even, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, to me, second wave is coming, or it is here. Yeah, it's here. Uh, <laughs> it's here. Firmly uh, established as here. Yeah, it's here. I mean, my girlfriend being a funeral director, yeah, it's definitely here. And But they're not, they're not really, rep- I mean, they're reporting it, but they're not really reporting it, if, if you catch my drift. But uh, yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm waiting for that. But whatever, you know, other than that, how, how, how have you been since the uh, the last month? I know good and bad stuff, you know. Yeah, um, Christmas and New Year's were both very low-key. Uh, mm-hmm. Just my wife and I spending it with uh, my mom in New Jersey, who it was mm-hmm. safe for us to do so because my mom had been quarantining and both my wife and I had been quarantining because at the beginning of December, my dad got diagnosed with COVID and has been in and out of hospitals and rehab facilities basically ever since. Um, I won't, I'll spare you all the gory details, but he is, he is still struggling with some, um, confusion and mobility issues, which were certainly there beforehand, but COVID has exacerbated it. So I will just say once again, all of you wear a mask, stay socially distant. And if not, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> yes, um, definitely. because this is, is deadly and serious. And so it was just the three of us. It was, you know, considering the circumstances, it was lovely, you know, just to see Good. my mom to spend some time, you know, watching, the great Christmas light fight and, you know, opening a few presents and eating some takeout Boston market, you know, so considering the circumstances, it was, it was, it was actually kind of quite nice. Um, and so that, that leads into uh, another bit of housekeeping that I wanted to get into, which was if anyone has been listening to, uh, my other podcast, I do movies badly, you will know, um, though, if you have not been listening to, then I will, I will inform you that, um, I do movies badly is, is, uh, has, has gone the way of the Dodo in the sense that it is, I have quit it, um, through December. There was a lot of shuttling back and forth to kind of help with my mom and things with my dad. And just, I didn't have the bandwidth for it and just kind of realized one thing calmed down. I hadn't, I didn't really miss it all that much. And, mm. uh, being real with myself that I, I, I loved the engagement with people. I loved watching new stuff, but Part of the reason I kept it going was as an excuse to watch stuff I hadn't seen before, and I can I can do that on my own. I mean, we for the most part we do that here, but there's also right. plenty of stuff in the streaming world and otherwise that I I can watch on my own and just kind of edify myself. So I've 
I've kind of put that aside, and, and now um, the cast of Cthulhu is is the one podcast I'm doing. Um, though I went out on a high note, the last episode with was with Alonzo Duralde talking about Christmas horror films. Um, Alonzo's Alonzo's an awesome dude. So yeah, that's great. Alonzo was great. I only I only got around to who slew Auntie Rue, which is which was actually quite fun. I love that's a good one. Actually, it, that's it's so weird you mentioned it because this morning when I came home. I was joking with my girlfriend who was half asleep, but this is what I do when I'm wired when I come home from work, <laughs> talking about all the films that came out kind of right after um, whatever happened to Baby Jane, yeah. and every film had to have a question. <laughs> like, what was Lou, Auntie Lou? And, and it's like everyone had a question, like, mm-hmm. whatever happened, you know, what who who did this in there? It's like, wait, wh- why? But it's like the same thing in the, the early 80s. Everything had a don't. Do this. Don't yep. go into the basement. Don't go in that walkway. Don't take a shit in that bathroom. You know, it's like okay, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, depending on where you where you live and work, that latter part is is actually pretty good advice. Um, yes, yes. But yeah, it, it was it was don't uh, uh, who slew Auntie Rue. I didn't get around to Christmas Evil, which apparently is one of John Waters' favorite movies. Christmas Christmas Evil. I and I mean a little side note. Stars. Fiona Apple's father. Oh, really? He's the the crazy guy who <laughs> loves Christmas so much and snaps. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. And when you and when you know that, mm-hmm. even though you don't see it at first, you go, okay, I see little glimpses of of her in his face. Like that's kind of weird, yeah. actually. So I wonder if that inspired her song "Criminal" in any way, shape, or form. I, wa- even, I wonder, even if subconsciously. But and and then the, the final one was supposed to be. <laughs> um, Better watch out uh, from you know a oh. recent one, which I mm-hmm. maybe I'll, I'll rewatch it again sometime last year. I'd seen it actually before the podcast and thought it was a little a little mean spirited for my taste, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll th- that's besides the point. Um, yeah, yeah. I do movies badly. Um, I you know I I love doing it. I loved all the people that I that I met through it. Um, James was a, a guest on it multiple times. Most recently, coming on to talk about the films of of uh, why am I forgetting his name. Um, John Sales. John Sales. John Sales. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I'm like, it wasn't Argento. It was John Sales. It was like John Milius? No, it's not John. John Sales. That would have been pretty awesome, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, But the the good news is that um, you may recall uh, past guests, uh, David Bax and Tyler Smith, who are, uh, you know, co-lead the Battleship Retention podcast. They have so kindly agreed to let the cast of Cthulhu be part of their Battleship Retention fleet, which is kind of the small group of podcasts and film reviewers that they sort of have and host on their website. Um, so uh, moving forward, um, uh, New Year, New Us, um, the cast of Cthulhu will be a member of the Battleship Retention fleet, which will not change anything aside from that is one more venue where you can find our stuff, which will be on battleshipretention.com. And if you stick around to the very end, there's a little audio tag at the very end of the episode but that's really it we'll still be the same um pretentious clueless assholes that we were before (laughs) yes yes we will well that that'll never change yeah no so um so that's that's a that's a good and um wonderful thing so um thank you david and tyler for um allowing us to be a part of that because james i don't know if you feel this way this is certainly something that i that i feel and and i hadn't planned to talk about this but what the hell um (laughs) i must admit that the last i mean from a cinematic perspective because we've everyone knows how big of a deal the pandemic is but yeah mini existentialist crisis in the sense of i'm not going to the movies haven't watched a whole lot of stuff so like how does one stay in tune like with the zeitgeist with pop culture 
Right. Um, I mean, you know, it might be, it, it feels a little weird to not have a top 10 list at the end of the year because I only saw like 12 movies in 2020. Um, right. And, and I, I kind of grapple with that. Like, this is something I love and I love to engage with it. And so how does one engage with it if one cannot be keeping up with what has been coming out? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I, I kind of thought of it as almost, in a weird way, liberating in a weird way. Because then, I mean, don't get me wrong. I miss the movies. I miss going to the theaters like a couple of times, maybe a few times a month. And then kind of making sure I'm like keeping up with every single new release. I mean, I really did that back in the day when I was with Criterion Cast. But mm. even after that. I would try to like, you know, see a good 30 to 40 new movies every year. Like, okay, this came out this year. Mm-hmm. I saw it. Where does it rank? It's either great, sucks, whatever the case. Now, I mean, this year, because of the pandemic, um, I think I saw the most movies I've seen mm-hmm. in a year since. Like, I mean, I think I topped because I, I, I kind of followed – 98% of the films I watched on Letterboxd, which I'm trying to keep up with as much as possible this year again, I think I ended up with like 330-something films, new and and old releases and stuff I've rewatched and whatnot. But but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I just don't stress it anymore. Like, I don't go, oh man, I didn't see Tenet, whatever. I'll see it at, maybe at some point. Like, mm-hmm. um, I didn't see, you know, certain horror films, and then, like, you know, you hear people, oh, you should, you know, okay, uh, I'll just wait till either I buy it, you know, on Blu-ray, maybe if I see it for cheap, or if it jumps on Shutter, I check those ones out a lot. Like, when they pop up with something new, like, they put up, like, a, because, uh, as you know, I mean, we've talked about it, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of anthology films, especially horror anthologies. and. Sure. It was a fun one that my girlfriend wanted to watch because it was about a mortuary. Um, <laughs> it was it, with Clancy Brown, who Clancy Brown, one of the great actors, and I love him. Also, and me too, and also a great human being. He hates the same stuff we hate. So <laughs> uh, he he's like the evil is he evil mortician that's telling stories, you know that kind of thing. And it's like a fun. I think it was like the mortuary. Chronicles, I, I, you know, it's it's funny that I don't remember the name, but I actually enjoyed it. So, and that was a new release. You know, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I, I, I saw something new, because I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes you go, I could watch that new film that popped up on Amazon Prime or Hulu mm-hmm. or whatever, or I can rewatch something that's like a comfort film or a comfort show or something like an episode that you go, you know what? I'd rather watch that actually. And I did a lot of that mm-hmm. comfort viewing, especially a whole lot. The shit we, you know, but, but I mean, I'm thankful for, you know, this podcast because we're kind of branching out to some films that I probably wouldn't have necessarily like seeked out or yeah maybe I, I kind of like that sometimes we're trying to find the, the tenuous links to either Lovecraft or something that's cosmic horror that maybe they didn't, you know, quote unquote intend to be Lovecraft, like going back to Underwater like, yeah. was that supposed to be <laughs> Cthulhu? He says it was, but there's all these, you know, but I kind of love it. And that was a new release, too. So, yeah, yeah, no. And that's um, uh, and, and so what I what I've tried to do is since I'm still well, even before uh, we made the transition, since I was still part of the Battleship Retention fleet, there was the, the notification for all the writers like, hey, we're still going to do top mm-hmm. tens this year. And 
Mine yeah. will instead kind of be a top 10 films that defined my pandemic experience. Awesome. That's I like those. That sounds great. Actually. Yeah. And, and one of them will certainly be underwater because it was one of those like, hey, listen, kicked off January. This isn't so bad. Let's see what this year has in store for me. And then this year was like, ha ha ha, fuck you. Um, but yep. yeah, it's it's a um, but there there has been uh, a lot going on. And, and um, I mean, I, I've, I've talked about this uh, or I've talked to my wife about this and it's sort of she's much better at being more objectively rational when when I kind of will will start panicking. It's like, listen, even if 2021 is kind of a wash, like you'll get back into movies in 2022. Like it's just, you know, this isn't assuming, of course, there are movie theaters still open <laughs> after all of this. Um, cause, cause yeah. that was the thing. Like I saw people were reviewing stuff and like, cool, I can't afford to rent like a new release for like 20 bucks every couple, <clears throat> like every week. Like I just can't Same. do that. Yeah. Even though like, I mean, I'm not going to the theaters as much, but hell like, yeah, $20, $30 a pop. Um, no, but then again, a lot of those writers tend to, you know, tax time, they, they're getting the money back. They're, they're watching 20, 30 films just mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not, you know, professional writers, so no. not really that. And, and, and the thing is, has any of these new releases made you go, oh man, I really want to spend $30 on that, like right now? You know, no. the, the personally, one, no. Yeah. The, and now there's, there's a list of a number of movies that I was looking forward to um, seeing in 2020. Near the top of the list was Tenant. And I, yeah. you mentioned it, I got to say, and my wife and I finally, uh, you know, bit the bullet and we, we purchased it on Amazon to watch okay. and um, not worth it. Wow. Um, See, I've heard that from a lot of people. I heard the sound is pretty awful it's, or like you can't hear anything that they're saying. If you are skeptical of or dislike Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker, this is the most Nolan-y Nolan movie <laughs> out there um, where he really seems to like it's. He's always been in, been pretty good with um, utilizing or futzing with time as a gimmick, but has balanced that with a good story. I mean, even starting with Memento, mm -hmm. um, The Prestige, Dunkirk, like he's done a good job of like, I'm going to futz with time, but I'm also going to give you a story that this gimmick supplements, or even if you remove the gimmick that you are invested in. And I don't say gimmick in a pejorative sense. I just mean like it's, you know, there's something novel or, or unique about it, basically. Right, right. Tenet is pretty much all gimmick, man. Like, it's mm. just the the story is is kind of dumb. Um, John David Washington, like, there's not much to him. There's not much to any of the characters as characters. Right. Um, and, you know... I was Pattinson in it, because... Pattinson's good. Uh, he's okay. I mean, Pattinson's pretty much good in everything he does. Twilight yeah. stuff aside, but I mean, he right. even admits like there were times during filming he had no idea what the hell was going on because of just <laughs> and and it, it 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 opens up all these questions of not just intent versus interpretation, but also like if you are making a movie that only you understand that a wider audience cannot connect with, like what is I don't want to say point? what's the point, but like come on, right. man, like I, you know, um, it, it, and yeah, and it's uh. And one of the the common criticisms against Nolan is he doesn't write great women characters. The woman character in this, played by Elizabeth Debicki, who I really like as an actress, like there's not much to her. Uh, so it's just it's there's a lot of problems with it, and it's just kind of like um, it's a two and a half hour movie. So if you're confused and not engaged, like it's it's a slog to sit through. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just it's a I won't say it's a bad movie, but it's. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, 
It's just there. Yeah, yeah, it, pretty much. I mean, it's gonna in 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 when all is said and done, it's gonna rank pretty low on the Nolan rankings for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, let me see. What's what's my least favorite of films that he has done? Um, you know what? Probably this one. Okay. This or The Dark Knight Rises. One one of those two. They're they're constantly fighting back and forth in my mind. But that is. See- See, my least favorite one of his is until maybe this one is Interstellar. I, I visually I liked it, but love is the please like <laughs> love is the answer. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> when of course we all know that love is a battlefield. Uh, yes, so, exactly. Obviously. Come on, like Dunkirk. You know, no. <laughs> well, well, and see that that one I I think about very little. Um, like I I saw it. I, I it's funny because I saw that and Wild on the same day. And wow. I think about those movies not at all anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a weird double feature. <laughs> it's a very strange double feature. The Wild um, Interstellar ride, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, one, Wild, I was, I was seeing to review it, Interstellar I was seeing because I, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was seeing it in a, a, at the Lincoln Square IMAX. Yes, and so I, I, that's where I saw it too. Yeah, yeah so. and I, I lived at the time in Bay Ridge, so I'm like, this is a long trip. Like, I might as well just stay here and see... And in between, I went to go walk around. I found the Banksy, which is on the Upper West Side, the little, you know, on the, the side of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, that's neither here nor there, James. We've gotten wildly off topic already for yes, a, we have. a podcast yeah. which didn't even start really on topic. Um, no, but yeah, that, <laughs> and we're and we're gonna further we're gonna diverge even further because a uh, a little bit of news that we wanted to talk about. I have no article up this, but this was something James wanted to talk about, or James introduced, so James. Um, this is relevant to our uh, to our podcast uh, tangentially, and and also relevant to the now deceased ID movies badly as well. I know. Um, exciting news! Um, if you're a nerd like, especially like I am, um, Marvel, you know they they're really promoting a lot of these the TV shows that they're going to be doing for Disney Plus and whatnot. And it was just announced that Benson and Moorhead, who I still. Can't wait to cover these films with you at some point on this podcast. Yep. They're doing the Moon Knight series. And that's kind of crazy because Moon Knight is already a weird character. Like he <laughs> he's powered by like an Egyptian god of like and, and like fights crime, but like there's been so many um interpretations of him mm-hmm. that you know it's exciting to see where they're gonna go with this, but he's kind of like the he was kind of created in the seventies to be, to me, like a low rent Batman type style, but in Marvel, like street crime, but a guy in a cape, but but he was all white as yeah. opposed to all black. Mm-hmm. But then, certain writers would change it up, and like he, like one, I forgot which which comic it was, but like there was a whole series where he was fighting with like you know multiple personalities, and he was crazy, or was he crazy? You know, like. Is he really talking to this god, or is he just a nut job that's going around beating the shit out of people? Oh, interesting. And then there's another one where he was stripped down, like he looked really cool, like it didn't look as like quote unquote ridiculous in comic book world where the flowing cape. He was very like well dressed, but like with just a nice looking like almost like a luchador mask, and mm-hmm. like he was almost like a noir type style. So seeing Benson and Moorhead doing this, like. I think that it, it, it one it shows that Marvel still at least is going for like interesting filmmakers for their properties that they go you know what yeah you know what we we like your stuff let's see where you go with this and then of course that you know I hope that they conclude with this and not 
leave because of creative differences. Like some filmmakers have left, not as many as you think, but a few here and there, like Edgar Wright with Ant-Man. But Mm -hmm. considering that, the Ant-Man films are still fun, so that wasn't a wash. But yeah, like I'm excited about that. Like it's a it's a character I never thought would actually see the light of day on screen, let alone have such interesting filmmakers behind it. So. Benson and Moorhead, um, if you have not heard of them before or, or not mm-hmm. familiar with their names, um, haven't done a whole lot of features. Uh, Resolution, Spring, The Endless, and then Synchronic was their the most recent one mm-hmm. that they did, which I believe was done in 2019 but came out last year. Yes. Um, and I didn't see that one yet. Yeah, actually. and I still have not seen it, but it was on I Do Movies Badly uh, talking about them that I was first introduced to Mike Snoonian and uh, Jerry Smith of The Pod and the Pendulum, both solid mm-hmm. guys. Um, yes. Yeah, and, and it's and they they also did a, a segment in VHS viral though I forget which one the two of them did. Oh, uh, you know what? I've never seen viral is the third one, right? Viral is the third one and by far the worst one. I've never seen that one. Yeah, so yeah. okay, it, it's it's not great, but um, but yeah, no, that that, that is very exciting because especially it does seem like when it comes to their properties, Marvel is more willing to take chances with their TV products. I mean, if you've seen the trailers for oh. Wand, WandaVision and how weird that that looks. Because what's great about that is like if like I showed my I showed my girlfriend that trailer for WandaVision and she's like oh so it's like a sitcom I'm like and of course then again I had to get old nerdy like yeah but here's the thing <laughs> in the movies Vision her lover her you know quote unquote husband in this is dead yes this is all created in her mind yeah. and she's like oh so this is fucking weird I'm like yeah that's <laughs> why I'm really excited because it's like really out there. Mm-hmm. To replicate a sitcom, to make it look like everything's going fine. <laughs> I wonder. Oh man, and so many ways to get distracted. Um, but I wonder since we're now you know with Endgame in the rearview mirror and yeah. a new phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe coming up, mm-hmm. Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch is still around. Yes. Um, Marvel has or will procure the rights to the Fantastic Four, and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of expect that all these universes are going to merge together. Exactly. Do we get to a point where in the next 12 years or next generation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we get House of M. We get no more mutants. And I, that's the big, that's the big like, overarching story that that is thrusting this universe forward. That's No, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, before we go too nerdy and then get to the film... Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking that this is going to lead into the Doctor Strange movie, oh, yeah. which is the multiverse. Yeah, okay. And I think that's where the opening of the multiverse, because she's so... I think, ultimately, they haven't talked about who the big bad is in the next Doctor Strange. I mean, we all, of course, assume it's going to be um, Baron Mordo, who yeah. turns at the end. But... Is he technically bad? He, I mean, he's going after people that have used magic for to him wrong. But I think she's going to be the big bad because she's in it. And you're thinking, oh, she must help him out. Yeah, maybe at first, but then he's trying to, like, keep her in check. And I think that's where it's going to – you you might get the introduction of the mutants in, in, the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You yeah. might get the Fantastic Four. Who knows? At the end – a fucking portal opens up and Doctor Doom looks at this universe and goes like and just goes, Okay, 
Let's let's have fun. Yeah, and, and I mean, because on IMDb, Elizabeth Olsen is credited as Wanda Maximoff in yeah. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So that is that is a, a strong possibility. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it's it's great to see that they're they do seem to be taking chances when it comes to the certain directors who are um, you know uh, who are attacking their properties. Uh, Nia DaCosta is doing you know Cap- oh. is doing the second yeah. Captain Marvel, um, and. Yeah, and so this this seems like an, another indication that you know they are willing to take a chance, and and I get it because also, the DC universe is not a, is not in competition anymore. Like I mean, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four certainly came out and yeah, also disappointing uh, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, um, same. I agree, but, especially when you had such a great cast. Come on. Yeah, I, I mean, once again, I want to say not bad. Patty Jenkins, oh. I think, made exactly the movie she wanted to make, and that's awesome. Um, yeah, she made her Superman three basically. <laughs> yeah, like really like goofy and like mm-hmm. bizarre, yep. like in a way. But all and and let's not talk about the whole Chris Pine body swap. Yeah, that, and that's a whole an- another problematic another, thing. Another yeah. day. Another but, day. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but Benson and Moorhead are really interesting filmmakers. Um, the yeah. Endless in particular does have some. I think even they will admit some Lovecraftian influence. Um, they, they, I mean, speaking of Christopher Nolan, they like to play with time, especially when it comes to that movie and resolution. Um, Mm -hmm. I won't spoil the, what is the source behind it because that's up to you. Um, Spring is a, uh, a great little film, um, that's also has some monster movie elements to it. And, um, yeah, so I'd be curious as to what they do because I remember, I remember being very fascinated by Moon Knight as a kid and adding to the this idea that he was sort of a, a, a copying uh, of, of Batman with a twist on it. I also heard copying of, of um, Iron Man, because like, he's also a, a, a millionaire who is um, has his own kind of demons to wrestle with sort of thing. Right. Uh, but where also we've, we've neglected one of the most important elements, Moon Knight will be played by Oscar Isaac. Oh, uh, thank you. Okay, I'm glad you... Yeah, Oscar Isaac, you know, Mr. Handsome himself. So, <laughs> yeah. actually... Talking about Wonder Woman 1984 and Oscar Isaac, like Pedro. Did you see that picture of Pedro Pascal yep. and Oscar Isaac at New Year's? <laughs> yeah. That 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 actually made my year. Like I'm like, okay, you know what? The year sucked, but seeing that picture was like, oh. Yeah, seeing the two of them together, and yeah, and <laughs> and Oscar Isaac, a guy who is, um, he's kind of like Denzel in the sense of he might not be always in good movies, but he is always good in the movies that he is in. Yes, I agree with that. Yes. Um. Specifically, I'm thinking of, um, you know, I didn't love the last Star Wars movie, but he's, you know, he gives it his all. And so he's always going to be interesting and he's always going to be doing interesting things. And so that is a, that's going to be a really cool combination of the three of them together and to see um, what they are going to do. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, there are certainly, if the world starts getting back to a a certain level of normal this year, there are Marvel movies that are still to come out. The Black Widow movie has to come out at, at some point, but it's the TV stuff which I'm the most interested in, especially because of WandaVision. I'll probably watch um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be cool to kind of see what's uh, what's what's in store. I think. But yeah, we've 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 distracted, diverted um, long enough. We we are here to, of course, talk about Black Mountain side. Um, this is one of the we've espoused the benefits of the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society many times on this podcast. This is another example of it, a small example, albeit, but an example nonetheless because. I first heard about this movie through a posting on their Facebook page. and was like, hey, we should probably check this one out. Uh, we both checked it out, and uh, we're both pretty big fans of it, I think. I think so, yeah. I mean, 
I didn't hear about it until you mentioned, hey, we should watch Black Mountain Sun. I'm like, cool. And then I'm like, what what the hell is that? You know, <laughs> like you know, to be honest, like I'm not gonna lie. Like, oh yeah, I heard about that. I just never got around to it. I'm like, oh okay. And then I watched. You know, the first thing I watched was the trailer. Actually, usually I don't do that. Yeah. Well, for some reason, actually, what what made me watch the trailer was um, on Amazon Prime. There's two listings for it. Yes. So don't know for all you listeners out there. There's one you can pay for, but then there's the IMDb. You know, version that has commercials. That's the but, one. That's the one that I watched. Not knowing, uh, I just clicked on the first one. Same here. <laughs> um, but the first one I clicked was that one. I was like, oh. But then I saw a second one. I'm like, oh, IMDb, cool. But you know what? I'll watch the trailer while I'm here just to see. And the trailer is a, is an effective trailer. It kind of made me think. Okay, this is going to be. I mean, of course, it it's you could tell heavily. I don't know if heavily is the right word, but, like, it's influenced by Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Like, you know, it's in a remote, you know, Canadian, you know, outpost. The furthest one up, you know, in, in Canada, whatever the number was, 259? 291. Or, 291, thank yep. you. So it has that going for it of, like, this isolation and something that they find in the ice. Something below that is awakened or has been there and just waited for new new souls to uh, touch. But so you know, going into it, I was like, okay, cool. This looks like. And then you know, you 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 had messaged me, but you know, when you watched it, saying it's a slow burn, but it's good. I'm like, cool. I'm into that. And I watched it, and like you know, even though I came home this morning exhausted as hell, <laughs> I made sure to watch it before I passed out, and it held my attention like completely i was like okay where is this going and you know what i liked about this film was and a lot of people on on um, imdb reviewing this you know users reviewing this complained about that it didn't explain everything okay okay so sometimes i would agree with that sometimes it's like okay why did it even happen why no in this case Yes, don't don't fucking explain it to me. Like, let me think about where they were going with this, or mm-hmm. what is this creature, this deer god? Like, which also the deer god, like, I thought was an effective looking creature when you saw the glimpses of him. Like, you didn't see him all. You saw like a sh- in the shadows at first, and at first you're like, what is that? Yep. And that was really well done. And then this goes into like crazy, like you know, body horror out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and i'm like whoa okay that came out of nowhere like something coming up this guy's arm you know and 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 like i I was kind of like laughing about it because i'm like wow they were fast to chop that arm off yo there was not there was not even discussion it was kind of like you know the doctor was like what do you want me to do and someone's just like cut it off and the doctor's like okay and just get the hex the most and actually funny enough the most rational one the one that actually you know like the the scientist the doctor that comes in you know, the one that kind of looked like um, an older Matt Berry to me. You yeah. know, like uh, the one that Pierce. came into – Yeah, the, yeah, Pierce. The, yeah. He's the one that takes the axe and chops this guy's arm up because it's – something's there. Like something's like coming out of this guy's arm. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. And then it gets crazier somehow. Yeah. I, I Based on the IMDb description and then even just the mm-hmm. few opening shots where it shows like the mountains and yes. the vastness of, of – really the emptiness where they are, I was like, oh, so this is a movie which is going to try to kind of be 
at the Mountains of Madness. It's not that. Um, no. it, it does lend a lot more or borrow a lot more or there's a lot of inspiration from the thing, which is more like, yeah, a uh, bunch of guys, and it is guys, there are no women in this movie, which is sort of like, eh, okay, fine. Um, but it I is- have no problem with that because you know what? I, the joke, to me, the joke always like, you know, if there was a woman there, they probably all would survive. Because you like the rational one. What are you guys fucking doing? Let's get out of here. Right. Yeah. You know. um, and then, and then, what woman wants to take the role of like, hey, you're going to be the token woman in this movie? It's like, no, give no. give her something to do. But um, it is a bunch of guys in a remote outpost doing scientific research, and mm-hmm. whatever they dig up, quite literally, is a thing which um, leads to ultimately all, all their demises. Um, Though I suppose well, yeah. there's an well, argument to be... Alert. Yeah, well, listen, if, if you're listening to this episode without having watched the movie, that's on you. Um, yes. <laughs> so, of course, there, there are uh, debates to be had over Kurt Russell and Keith David's ultimate fate. I tend to believe that they died, but that's yes. that's fine. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a really interesting... And when I say slow burn, that can be a put-off for some people, but I mean, what I mean with this one is the movie takes its time to lay groundwork for when the shit starts hitting the fan it makes sense because there was you know that path was laid out brick by brick until it's like yeah was it a bit abrupt maybe when the guy's like i'm cutting his arm off maybe but also you could understand how based on you know little things that were happening oh the the indigenous workers like they just stopped showing up uh then we found this body of the cat and then it's like and people are starting to hear things maybe you kind of get to the point of like i this all makes sense because um, Svetikitsky laid it all out in, in in a way which, yeah, when it gets to its ultimate fruition, you see that coming and everything makes sense leading up to that point. Yeah, and it's also like you have all these characters that, you know, not that they're fleshed out completely, but enough that you kind of get each character's motivations or mm-hmm. like their fears or why they want this to continue, you know. And then, like you said, with the indigenous people that were working there, you have these little, like, you know, you only see them briefly, you don't only see them far away, you only see one of them by face. Yeah. When he when he is saying about the, the cat that is found dead, that one of them, one, not, not one of the indigenous people, but Drew, he saw Drew kill this cat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but it's what's weird about that scene is like he's like okay thank you I'll look into this and then he calls Drew on the walkie he's like <laughs> yeah. and it's such a weird scene because like he calls him on the walkie and, Drew, and Drew, yeah he's like um, did you kill the cat the cat uh, no no I didn't well um, so and so sorry you kill and it's like a pause because mm-hmm. like you can almost see like Drew was like even though you don't see him you the, you can even hear by that like pause he's thinking of what to say no well you'll figure it out. In, Which is such a creepy thing to say, actually, when you think about it in hindsight. Like, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, yeah, he did do it. Like, you know, we, we know he did it. It just... So that's... Why? That's, yeah, right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, that, that's interesting because I, I looking back now, it, it's fresher in your mind. Did he actually do it or would... Or, or, or is that guy saying, like, I saw Drew do it. Is that the first time that we really hear of an instance of, like... I'm seeing shit that this that this site is, is messing with me, so I have to leave. Like in my well, mind, that was sort of more question raising than definitive us pointing in the, pointing us in one direction. I, I mean, I think it was to showcase that because wasn't it before that? I think before that, you start to see certain characters hear this voice, mm-hmm. 
this evil voice just in the night and you don't see anything it's just like look 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 into the dark you know basically look out there yeah do you see it you don't know what the hell is talking and then you think oh maybe it's a nightmare a collective nightmare or something when this worker says that you never see the, you just see the dead cat mm-hmm. it's all like splayed it's near this you know could be the top of a temple we don't know what this thing is yeah you never do mm-hmm. which i like you know because what is it what was unleashed like was it a disease that was unleashed because then we kind of get that like the scientific thing about the cells of like octopi yes yeah, ce- yeah cephalopod um cells yeah. that he was basically turning into not like an octopus squid. but a bunch of tiny little octopuses inside yeah. of him which is a horrifying thing and that's very lovecraftian right there like like that's a like you're just becoming something like creatures and but i think it's the indigenous people were so freaked out by it because that's why they placed all these markers hundreds of years ago to warn people mm-hmm. and also what i liked about it was it's one of those films where they talk about something which is the bear traps yeah and it comes back but you know, you think to yourself, did the, what, did the indigenous people put the bear traps there because of bears or because of what they That's know? Nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because what's more interesting, too, is like you hear about them leaving and like, oh, they're going back to the reservation. But when they go to look for them, mm-hmm. they went the opposite way. Yeah. So and then, you know, um, then of course, one of them is like, oh, uh. Well, they're dead then. Yeah, Giles. Like, he's yeah. just like, yeah, they're dead then and walked away. Which is such a weird – because like, okay. And then – because it's all this doubt that's put in. Because then you go, wait, did he kill them? Because he – you remember? Because he's like oh. – he almost like was so nonchalant about it. And then ultimately later on, what does he do? Yeah, he, he starts going he starts shooting up, killing yeah. everyone, yeah. It's like these questions that I, I was like, wow, okay, this is – who knows if that's what's intended, but it's like, why would you... I mean, of course, the assumption is, oh, they walked out into the freaking freezing cold. They're probably frozen somewhere, but why would they do that? That's a really interesting implication that did not occur to me when I was watching it. But yeah, that thing is like... Because I, clearly in a movie like this, and a movie like The Thing, yes. later on, once we figure out what we're dealing with, you start second-guessing everything and being like, okay, was this evidence right. or by looking into it, which is... I have to imagine entirely by design. Yeah, whether it was, whether that was what Giles did or not. Now we're thinking like now we're paranoid. Yeah, because think about it. The from the from the not the start of the film, but from the start of when you start seeing or hearing this voice, he's talking to two people. From what we see, mm-hmm. we it's it's Jensen. He talks to early on. Yeah, but Jensen is actually holding it together somehow. Yeah, but then it's um. What's his name? The other one, the other scientist. Uh, I can't remember his name. Piers Crap. Is, Piers is the the outside scientist that they bring yes. in, and it's the one that was went to university and that actually knows about the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The, France, the, Francis, Francis, Francis. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's hearing the voices and he's snapping like slowly and like, like, like that one scene when he's like with the knife is like kill him. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing with that scene. See, like, this film is, like, really well done in the sense that, so the dear God, the creature, whatever he is, is he speaking to Francis in that scene or is he speaking to Jensen? And because Jensen knows 
something. He he's looking at him like, are you going to try to kill me? Because I'm hearing his voice too. That's the I I like that you brought that up because there's that scene when yet yeah, when uh, Francis goes into that like the the kitchen cabin basically and he's got the knife and then Jensen comes in and he's like, oh yeah, what are you doing up so late? And they have a talk and there is a specific moment where yeah. you see Jensen look down. Yes. So, so you he knows know, it's there. You know that he knows that he's got the knife in his hand, and then it's just like, okay, how is this scene going to play out? And it's just this tension that just like doesn't release until Jensen leaves. Like, oh, thank God. Okay, fine. And it's such a crazy scene because, like, is it? You know, my way is looking at it is like, is it both of them just holding back from this creature? Because then Francis goes and like kills. Um, one of the guys, the the one that got the arm chopped off. Yeah, he, kill, he kills he, him. Yeah, he kills. Um, is it Drew or is Drew dead by that point? Drew is the dead one. McNaughton, Drew's, right? Drew's, Drew's the one that shoots himself in the head. Yes, like he cuts off his head. own hand and later shoots himself. Here's here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all these European white guys basically kind of look the same, so it, it's hard it, it's hard to, yeah. to remember them. But yeah, weird enough. That's like not my 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 fault with the film, but. Few of the actors kind of look alike in a way that they you're do, like, wait, yeah. wait, which one's that one? That's mm. Drew. Okay, but it's nothing against the actors. It just so happens to be like, oh yeah, right. A lot of them have beards, and you know, it's cold, and they're wearing hats, and yeah, like like there's, there, there's even there's even a character credited on IMDb named Ramus. I'm like, who the hell was Ramus? I don't remember. That. I don't know. Oh, was Ramus the? I don't even know. Actually, Ramus. <laughs> right, right. It's just kind of like, yeah, okay. They're they're all. To the, to the most, you know, to a certain degree, they all kind of, I don't want to say they blend together because we did establish, like, they all have their own motivations and their own yes. roles, but it's just, a lot of them, they just look the same. It's just generic white guy with a beard and a mustache kind of a thing. Um, yeah. With the exception of Professor Piers Olsen, who's just, he's got these piercing blue eyes. <laughs> and, 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 he, and he's got the freaking luxurious hair. He, he does, yeah. He's he's a Vidal Sassoon commercial come to life, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... But yeah, that's, and that's the thing. This film has tension. This film has, you know, that underlying like creepiness that you're, you 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 know, the whole time I'm watching, I'm, I'm second guessing. Wait, who? So when something happens, like when you know Giles starts killing, you know, shooting everyone, you're like that. To me, it's like almost like it comes out of nowhere, but it really doesn't. Yeah, it's like it's been there because th- throughout he's been like the paranoid one, like you know, get the fuck away from me, I'll shoot you. Mm-hmm. And then he starts shooting everybody. <laughs> and like, you know, I did kind of wonder, as a film which was so clearly heavily influenced by the thing, how much of him was like that was supposed to be the Keith David foil, you know, in this movie. Well, his name was Giles, right? Yes. And Childs. Huh. It's kind of weird, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of close. Is that the case, or is that us just kind of being like, oh, you know, projecting our tokenism onto the the sole, the sole non-white character in this movie, but. Um, yeah, well, they're all Canadian, though, so that's a boot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, what's, what's that, a boot, eh? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but it is it is like... Um, and, and, and one thing that I found so effective about the way that um, um, Zestakiski directs this was I felt, I felt very claustrophobic, and not because of, like, there are certain, you know ways that a director can convey that through like mise-en-scene or framing or whatever the lighthouse Mm -hmm. was was like that because it was four by three and then every time you see them they're just they're very physically close together and it's like i i need to i need to break out of this um or you know you could film in a lot of close-up and that kind of stuff one thing that i was noticing here that i don't think they draw attention to is in each location 
there's a lot of times one, maybe two camera setups. So you're only seeing, like, I'm thinking of the bedroom that Piers was in. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. only see it from the establishing shot when they come to the stairs and the close-up. And it just, it, it indicates subtly there's not much place to go. There's not much room to navigate around here. Right. Um, you're right. And even, like, a camera movement is just kind of a pan from, like, you know, I'm looking at the desk and I pan over to the door or something. And it's just, you don't get the sense there's a lot of room for these guys to escape other than into the night where it can get 40 below when the sun goes down. So it's like, it just, uh, like, like subconsciously, I was just feeling like there's no escape. There's there's no way this is going to turn out well. And then, yeah, uh, it didn't turn out well for anybody. Right, right, yeah, exactly. And I kind of like, you know, you like we always joke, I love a good dark ending. You know, sure. I love endings, you know, everyone's dead you know or if something happens or in this case you know i don't know if i would ruin it for but like that ending was so to me it was well well earned a yeah. well earned ending but yeah. we, I, don't, I don't want to talk about it necessarily because i it kind of like was like one of those endings that i go there we go <laughs> there we go okay and that's fucked up and it's also one of those endings where you go was that just because it's just bad luck you know like fuck you know or was the creature a very angry god that did something cruel to him yeah i don't want to say what but you know what i mean like i kind i kind of want people to be surprised by that but it's like one of those things where when when certain characters are having this conversation with this god or what what is he a god what is what is he because mm -hmm. like you, you you quoted him in the beginning speaking about him creating the stars and stuff it's like or are you full of shit? Are you a false god? You know what I mean? Like like a this dear god type char character, Lovecraftian old one. Or is he just a creature that just is intelligent? Because it's such a weird scene when he's speaking to Piers about like what he is. And like and Piers is like, you know, you're you're not you're nothing. Hmm. And he's like and basically he almost says, Hold on a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. And then goes to Jensen, yep. who then blows up everything. Mm -hmm. and so yet, then does he does he stop the creature or does he not stop the creature? Or it's or, such a weird thing, right? Yeah. Or was there a creature at all? Uh, right. Because Are they all this, yeah, like this disease. It, maybe this was just some sort of disease that basically rotted their brains. And not just disease, but also the point that they don't hammer home to you, but that. Uh, no resupply came. You know, the the, yes. the the supply was was late, um, yeah. And they were cut off from the outside world. So is this just a real bad case of, yeah, there was some microscopic thing that came up from that you know quote unquote temple thing, um, and were they also then just suffering from cabin fever and slowly going insane mm -hmm. because they had no contact with the outside world? It's it's a movie that proposes or, or or poses a lot of questions without necessarily posing them like it kind of it it sprinkles enough stuff here where it's like what do you what do you think here yeah um yeah. and people could disagree with us maybe people think there is a literal dear god which is yeah. the god that created everything and that's fine um right because it also kind of plays into more that idea of of, of a lovecraftian universe where they're is this thing which is responsible for creation was here before us will be here after us and kind of has no real moral compass it just kind of like action reaction sort of thing and that's it yeah i mean in a way that and that's why it's like i question it but in a good way like 
is this is this creature having fun with them, just toying with them to see how much he can push them mm-hmm. to like see what what like will they do his bidding or will they just try to kill themselves? Will they try to blow their brains out? Well, like you know, and that's kind of like, or will they blow up the whole camp? Yeah, like fighting back, you know, from this, you know, the, the, it's funny enough that you know the whole time you like to me the whole time I'm thinking Jensen is gonna be like, oh yeah, you're you're not a good person, but he ends up being kind of like the hero, in a way, yeah, which is weird, you know, like like a like a un unintentional hero where he's like, fuck you to this creature, like I'm not. I'm not going to go after Piers. You told me to, but I'm, I'm not. Fuck you. I'm blowing. I'm, I'm blowing up everything. I'm burning everything down because I don't want. I want you to die. But even then, right? It's sort of like we define him as a hero only because of how we interpret right what this thing wanted and how people responded to it. Whereas if this thing just wanted everyone to destroy themselves and to like destroy this outpost. Then he just played into yeah. this thing's hands, basically. That that too, yeah, of course, yeah. and that, and that's kind of why I love that it's open to interpretation. Yeah, you know? um, and, and I'm su- I'm kind of surprised it's got a a, a five point two out of ten stars on Rotten Tomatoes with like well over three thousand reviews, which doesn't make any sense to me. Which no. I, I can only kind of explain from people were hoping for more of. I need concrete answers, and or I need a definite resolution as to what happened to Piers. I'm assuming Pierce uh, is dead uh, yeah, at the end of everything. I'm that, but just yeah. they, they want more of like, please give me all the answers, which in the spirit of this podcast and this writer, uh, you don't always get them. You get enough to know like things are bad. Things are, are, yeah. are going to be very bad. Um, and in that vein, I did want to read, um, I'll post this article in the show notes and on our Facebook page if you want to read it. But it's an, it's an interview with uh, the writer director from um, Lovecraft Ezine. Um, from 2016, um, he's asked about um, you know what cosmic horror means. So I'm going to read a little bit, so bear with mm-hmm. me. Um, but he says, uh, "Cosmic horror to me means horror on an existential scale. It's not being afraid of what's around the corner, but being afraid of what's out there, what we don't understand or can't understand. Being afraid of what happens after we die, or what seemingly impossible things might not be so impossible." He goes on to say, if I'm going to be honest, I'd never actually heard the term cosmic horror until after we started promoting Black Mountainside. People mm. started approaching him and describing it. Um, and then he goes in to say more, James, that is going to resonate with the two of us. <laughs> A lot of filmmakers, writers, artists, storytellers, um, you know, get cosmic or existential horror wrong. I think a lot of people are missing the point. Too many people go and try to recreate what other successful artists did without first trying to figure out what it was those successful artists did in the first place. I'm always seeing those Lovecraft adaptations popping up on my Twitter feed, but they make the same mistakes. They think tentacles, big monsters, ancient beings, but no one ever stops to figure out why those things were so uh, were so successful for Lovecraft. And then he goes on to say, Cthulhu is frightening because of what his existence means to humankind, not because of his tentacles or his size or his age. He makes us feel existentially small and unimportant. That's what's scary about Cthulhu, but people miss that. And on the surface level, we have that because these guys are like, especially when they're debating, like, we need to quarantine this, you know, we need to quarantine the site. And like, are you fucking serious? Like, all this work that we did? So on the surface level, it kind of makes their day in and day out unimportant. But then on on a larger scale of if this god is real and that kind of stuff, like, 
are these people just playing into what it always wanted? Was this outcome doomed from the minute they dug up whatever that thing was that they dug up? Right. I mean, yeah, is it is it intentional or unintentional? Is it like yeah, it, it, there's many ways you can read this and and and, and I'm glad this guy gets cosmic horror and existential horror like all that stuff like it, it makes me so happy like yeah he, he spoken like us <laughs> yeah no, no fucking tentacles and no the whole point like it, this film reminds me of two other in the the vein of you know not not just a thing but two other films uh um the fessenden film the last winter oh yes which i have not seen which is i i mean might be able to maybe do that in this one and then another film that i actually saw at i think i saw it at fantastic fest the one year i went which was this movie called the corridor and it's another one about people in the middle of the woods in winter and shit happens you know like it's, and it's very cosmic horror type stuff and this is back in 2010 this film um again a film that i thought was really good and then never heard anything else about it. Like, you know, I think it's streaming in some places, but never became a thing. And I'm like, really? And that's before Lovecraftian was, like, being pushed down everyone. You know, like, like now it's the, the buzzword. So I think maybe it's a film that maybe at some point we can cover as well. But it's like that, that idea of it, – it's a simple idea. Throw a bunch of people in the middle of nowhere. They have no way out. Mm-hmm. And no way to communicate, and they're fucked. Like literally, they're fucked. Like, what are you gonna do? There's nothing you can do, and that's actually scary to me. Like, imagine just being in the middle of like you know the winter wasteland, you know, where you know you can't leave. You can't just go outside because you'll freeze to death, and you're hearing what you think is a omnipotent voice telling you to look for him, like look out there, and then kill him or basically like you know become like with you know like be one with him it's like okay like of course you're either gonna go along with it because you snapped or you're gonna try to kill yourself because i don't want that i don't want to become <laughs> that you know i don't want to fucking do this no. Like, no. No. no no and that's like effective like and that's to me like gets what lovecraft was writing that you don't see it or do you mm. it's like in the shadows like that's why carpenter gets it it's that thing like it's right there and you could almost touch it like to me one of the one of the best scenes in this film of a film that has a lot of really great scenes the scene with jensen bringing soup to francis yeah in his room that he's been basically locked in there mm-hmm. and he's gives you know here i wanted to bring you some soup and he's just like you know francis just sounds like a crazy person he's like he's watching me mm-hmm. like who who's watching you but it's like almost like you know jensen probably you know jensen knows what he's talking about but he's he's looking at it as like okay maybe i just had some bad nightmares i walked out into the i was sleepwalking or something like he he's being rational as much as he can because he's basically the leader you know, of this expedition. Mm. While Francis is like more of the scientific guy who has completely gone, at least to him, he's gone crazy or it is real. And it's like he's saying that he's right behind you. 
And it, the doorway's open, and you're, you know, the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, oh, is he going to, like, jump at him? He's going to try. Yeah. No. He's like, what is he doing? He's touching you. And then you're like, what the fuck? Where is this going? And then he's like, oh, he's he's watching me now. He's angry at me. Because it's like almost like, so then you're thinking, is this creature real? And is he speaking to Francis while this is going on and telling him, like, I'm, you know, you're, I'm basically like, you're not, I don't like you anymore, basically. Like, you know, you, you didn't kill him when I told you to kill him. Mm. And it's such a creepy scene because you're thinking the whole time, like, is this creature going to be there? And then what I respect is that even though I kind of like it, like if, if Jensen left and the door closed and if the creature was there, that would have been a good jump scare, of right. course. But they don't do that. They don't go for the jump scare, which to me would have been an easily earned jump scare. Right. But instead, the door closes and he's like whimpering. Francis, and then he's screaming for Jensen to come back. Please don't leave me in here by myself. And you're like, wow, okay. <laughs> so then it makes sense when a little bit later, when Giles goes and Kitley starts shooting everyone, he's the first one he shoots in the room. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. He opens up the room and shoots him right in the head. Boom. At first, I didn't know who he shot first, but then when the next two people got shot, I'm like, oh, wow, he killed Francis first. Because that's what the creature told Giles to do. Kill him. Like, that's what I, I take from it. Or, and I no, think that's really... Yeah, right? That, like, it's and, so good. And that's, and that's interesting, because, yeah, because then... The, like, I, I think you're correct. If he would have closed the door and there would have been something there, it would have been an earned jump scare. But also, number one, this wasn't really a movie with or, or about jump scares at all. Right. And right. two, leads more to the credence... Or not to the credence, but leads more... Feeds more into this idea of... So is there something there right. or is Francis's paranoia and fear then starting to infect Jensen's brain as well? Could um, be that too. Right. And does Giles kill Francis first because that's what the, the dear God wants him? Or is Giles just like, this guy is fucked and like dangerous and I'm getting him out of the way? It, 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 and it's weird because it also works because like when you see Giles going, he's laughing, he's like whistling, singing along. So he snapped. Oh yeah. But what's what's interesting is when, um, when Francis go, you know, basically the scene with Francis and Jensen we talked earlier about when with the knife, the creature tells them they're all talking about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what? Why? Like, oh, they think basically like they you're think infected. You have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You think you have it? Which is interesting because if the creature's real, he's just doing that to him to basically. Then when he does, when he kills the, um, what's his name, like the one with one, you know, the chopped arm. Yeah, now, now, of course, they do. Now, now of course, they think he has it. Sure. Because what, what the hell happened? Like, why did he snap all of a sudden? Or is that just his own psyche going, well, that'll be the explanation mm-hmm. for your psychosis breaking down. Like, it's, it, that's why it works so well. Because, like, you're like, the whole time, and, and again, the whole thing with the creature being real. That, the reason why that scene in, in the room works so well is because all the time the creature's speaking to Francis. But that's the one time you don't hear the creature speak to him. Yeah, yeah. And and you, you <clears throat> we we are we're not in Francis's POV at that point, we're not in Jensen's, we're just kind of an objective yeah. point of view and we don't right. see or hear anything. Right. And I think that also lends to the whole question of it like mm-hmm. you know and it and that's 
to me, that's effective. That works. Like it. That's why I hate. I, I read so many of these freaking terrible, like low scoring reviews on IMDb where oh, uh, doesn't make sense. It does, like, well, were you watching the same film we did? Like, because like look beyond that, you know. If if there's anything this past year has taught me, it's that I don't understand people because. Yes. We can True. read an overwhelming number of disappointed or scathing reviews about this, and yet I'll see people posting over-the-moon things about Dagon, which I thought was legitimately terrible. <laughs> it's just, I don't I don't understand people anymore, um, and probably no. never will again. Um, that, but uh, I, I want to go back to this E-Zine article a little bit, just because it does... He goes on later to talk more about Nathaniel Gordon, the guy who did the Dear God voice. Apparently, he's a voiceover uh, artist, which is why he doesn't have a whole lot of IMDb stuff. Oh, okay. Um, but this is an, an interesting point that uh, that the writer-director says. Originally, I had planned to have the Dear voice be a quote-unquote calming voice. But when Nathan emailed us, he attached a number of different versions, including the grungy voice that was used in the film. There mm. are no effects added to hit that voice. No oh my word God. of a lie. That was the noise that came from his mouth. <laughs> so, well, it works, yeah. Yes. It's unsettling. That's like the best word for it. Unsettling, it, where you're like, yeah, is that you? Is that like um, coming from someone's guttural, like their mouth, mm -hmm. and they'll find out that it actually did come from someone, a human. <laughs> That's crazy, actually. It's insane, and it's it's also like um, I forget the name of the actress who who put uh, who provided um, the demonic voice for Reagan in The Exorcist. But oh, right, right. Um, oh, when they I found out, that all, all she was doing was just basically drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes, and then it was like that was just her actual voice. Like, oh, you gotta be kidding me! That's gross. I can't. It's such that. a weird thing. Yeah, like like uh, not not that this has anything, but but about actors doing stuff with their voices. One of my favorite stories is. Uh, <laughs> In the, I love the film, but it's not a good film. Uh, the Ice Cream Man with uh, Clint Howard, <laughs> but he has this weird, yeah, he has this weird voice in it. Like it's very like raspy, mm -hmm. and like Clint Howard has a normal voice, but like like oh, why is it raspy in this? And he spoke about how he wanted to have this really creepy, less sounding voice, so he would, when he was driving into the studio and the area to work every day, he'd be screaming at the top of his lungs in his car. So by the time he got to work, his voice would be like this. I'm like, okay, it's cr cr crazy what some actors will do for a film like the ice cream man. But that, that seems, hey. yeah. Why, why risk permanent damage to like your vocal cords and your lymph nodes just for the ice cream? man? I don't know, but I mean, it's, it's a timeless classic, so maybe that's why. <laughs> uh, the immortal yes. character actor Clint Howard, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I have uh, much else to say about Black Mountainside. This was a this was um, quite a, a delightful surprise, as has mm -hmm. been the case a few times on this uh, podcast, where we stumbled upon something and like, oh, this was this was much better than I expected, and maybe that even just that stems from like. Let's not have expectations going into it, which I know is incredibly yeah. difficult to do. No, but I, th I think that's the best way. Because like, I, th I think, you know, because of some of the lowest ones we've seen, um, of course, your first thing is like, well, if they can't actually get the love like Lovecraft's text correctly, how can how can they like, tan you know, do it tangentially? And 
but we've seen, I don't know, at least to me, and I think you too, like, we've seen a lot of the ones that are, like, Lovecraftian have almost been more Lovecraft than Lovecraft's adaptations. Yes, 100%. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is so bizarre. Like, you would think it'd be the opposite. Like, oh, but no, I think that's what, what great filmmakers will do is they, like, and like he, like Nick says in, in that, like, it's not about tentacles and something that's big and, like, creepy looking it's about the existential dread that we all share when we when we you know basically when we realize we're nothing in this world we're just bags of flesh and we're gonna rot away when we die and nothing and like you know if you don't believe like there's an afterlife you're dead and that's it nothing left to you and that's when you think about it, that's terrible to think of like like wait is that all i am so it's one of those things where either you're depressed about it or you try to do something good with your life to just to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that and that's you know how I try to live my life. Like, I'm not a dick. I don't go storming the Capitol. I don't, uh, you know, belong to parlor. You know, I don't do any of this shit. And but people do. And you go, OK, whatever. You know, those people can rot and we'll be the better for it. You know, <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Yes. <laughs> with, with warm regards from the cast of Cthulhu. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's a, that's a good point to end on uh, Black Mountainside. A, a delightful little surprise. Um, yes, very next... much so. Thank, thank you for suggesting it, actually. Yeah, thank you. of course. And, and next week we'll be uh, covering a, a film that was suggested to us, uh, specifically yes. by um, Thomas Campbell and Gav Chucky Steele, our friends from Deadbolt Films uh, across the pond in the U.K., uh, who are dealing with their own mutated strain of COVID, but that's oh, neither here yeah. nor there. Um, a film from 2018 called Starfish, uh, yes. which I, I know basically nothing about other than the summary on IMDb, a unique intimate portrait uh, portrayal of a girl grieving for the loss of her best friend, which just so happens to take place on the day the world ends, and that's all I'm going to keep it at. I'm not going to watch yes. the trailer, I'm not going to read reviews, I'm just going to watch this movie and hope to be surprised because uh, they, they recommended it quite highly, actually. Yeah, actually, one of my friends, Joe, who um, also, he's he's part of uh, Yellow Veil Pictures, who put out Luz and a bunch of other really good films, he loves that film, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's spoken highly about that film. When, a year or two before it even came out, he saw it at, you know, like, he got a screener of it through a friend that, that helped produce it, and he, he's like, James, you gotta watch this film when it comes out. It's really good. So it's exciting. We're... we're all, all of our friends have just said, like, this film's really good. But hopefully we, our, our expectations aren't too high and we're disappointed. But I don't think we will be. I think I think we'll be surprised. I, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised with that one. I Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, and I'll be fine if there's no starfish in it, to be honest with you. Starfish kind of creep me out a little bit. Um, yes. Uh, as do many undersea creatures. One day, um, perhaps we can dive deep into the topic of one of the biggest things which scares me about the idea of Cthulhu is... Deep sea creatures terrify me, including jellyfish. Um, if if I were ever being shaken down for information, all someone would have to do is like dangle my body over a tank of jellyfish. I will tell them anything they want to know because those fucking things are horrifying to me. Yeah, they're they're very alien like. So yeah, like they they don't they don't look like they should exist in in reality. They they don't yeah. look like they should have sentience because there's no eyes or brain. They're just floating. Right things that yeah ugh, ugh, yeah hate him 
on that note. <laughs> <laughs> on that note um, yeah, we are uh, the Cast of Cthulhu. Um, you can find us on Twitter at um, Cast Cthulhu. Uh, you can find me at Nolan Fixes Teeth and James at Fistful of Media. Um, catch up on back episodes of us at castofcthulhu.podbean.com or you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. Um, the Apple um, Apple Store or Apple Podcast, I'm sorry. I always get that one wrong because I haven't been an I Apple know. person for a long, long time. Um, yeah. Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, and um, coming soon, uh, you'll be able to catch us on battleshipretention.com where uh, you also can uh, chime in in the comments field, which you probably won't do based on my history um being part of the battleship retention fleet but uh you can you can tell us how much you disagree with us how much you agree with us um or how much you hate jellyfish because goddamn, i hate those things yeah they're gross <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah um happy uh new year from james and i at the castle cthulhu let's you know low bar let's make this a much better year than 2020 um we got we got a new administration coming we got vaccines coming we got oh, we, we got all sorts of reasons to be optimistic. So let's keep that optimism going um, and let's move forward. So next week, not next week, that's incorrect. Next time we will be talking about Starfish from 2018. We're trying to get a guest or guests on for that. Nothing um, nothing in the works or, or nothing I should say solidified just yet, but pay attention to our Twitter or Facebook feeds to see if that changes. Otherwise, it's just going to be James and I, which is fine. You know, that's yeah. fine too. We're fine. Um, talking about uh, Starfish. So, um, in the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with Dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.